This is the Truth Hurts Program with Steve Z. Hello and welcome to a rare late Saturday night edition of the Truth Hurts Program with Steve Z. Coming to you from the front seat of the old F-250. They just don't make them like they used to. I've heard that expression most of my life, and engineered obsolescence, you know, the companies who design things to only last so long so that you have to buy another one in a set amount of time, those things are actually true. When I built my current home, and for that matter, when I built Studio 63, I was told that items that used to last forever only carry a seven to nine year life expectancy these days. My mother is 84 years old. She has had the same central air conditioning unit in her home for as long as I can remember, at least 25 years. And that little three and a half ton central air conditioning system works just as well today as it did when it was installed 25 plus years ago. She still has the same Kenmore washer and dryer that she purchased from Sears 30 years ago. 30! This means a lot to a person on a fixed income. Her refrigerator is at least 15 years old. Her freezer is at least 30 years old. And everything's still nice and frozen comfy cold. She has the same iron, the clothing iron, you know, where you iron your clothes. I know younger people don't know what that means, but she has the same clothes iron that she has used for as long as I can remember. When I built the house and when I built Studio 63 a few years later, I was warned that the water heater the water heater in the house and the water heater in Studio 63 might last between six and nine years old. They had a warranty on the box for nine years. I could have paid an extra grand for one with a 12-year warranty, but let's be realistic. Who keeps the warranty paper on a water heater? Where would you even keep such a thing? Washing machines, dryers, the reason they're always advertised on these different big box stores, websites, and on television, and in print matter, is because they don't last very long. That is a shame, and it is a disservice to the American people. Don't even get me started on certain brands who have horrendous reputations, but yet are always on sale at the big box stores. You know, the orange one or the blue one, or one of the others. Engineered obsolescence, the design inherent characteristic that makes something die and need either servicing or replacing in a very short period of time in order to ensure that you will buy another one. That is the problem in America. 
That is the problem. Now, the engineers and the sales pukes out there, they all get together in meetings and they decide, hey, let's figure out what the optimal time that an appliance can last where we still get to keep our brand reputation intact and yet can have someone buy another one and not look like we've become cheap. By my 84-year-old mother's standard, by my 84-year-old father-in-law's standard on the other end of the state, if it doesn't last 20 years or more, it's a piece of crap. My father-in-law has been in his home for about 25 years, and I think he only just recently had to replace his water heater. Only just recently, 25 years old. And yet, when you build a new house, according to several publications, you should plan on having to start replacing appliances like dishwashers, clothing washers and dryers, refrigerators, freezers, water heaters, central air conditioning units, at some point around seven to nine years from when you purchased it. So let's imagine you just built a new home. And in that new home, there's a brand new water heater and a brand new washer and a brand new dryer and a brand new refrigerator and a brand new freezer and a brand new dishwasher, a brand new microwave. Imagine the expense that is going to befall you in about seven years as each and every one of these designed to fail appliances does what they're designed to do, and that is fail. Imagine the expense that you're going to have to go through. Now let's imagine that you bought your house, built your house, oh, I don't know, three years ago, early 2021. And let's say gropey Joe Biden, your president, remains president for another four years after the current four-year term expires. And he's gone. And let's say by some hook or some crook, Camel Toe Harris succeeds him four years down the road and becomes the president. So you have 12 years of this democratic rule. 12 years of Bidenomics, 12 years of Bidenflation, 12 years of the added expenses that come along with the inflation brought forth by Joe Biden, the president. Imagine if you bought that house and put all those brand new items in your home just three years ago. And right around the second term of Joe Biden coming to its end, all of those appliances start to die, to break down, to fail, to cease to function. And you, poor sap, have to go out and buy new replacement items at the much higher, heavily inflated prices of Bidenomics. It is making every American's job harder just to make ends meet. Many Americans, as a matter of fact, a plurality if not a majority of Americans, currently feel as if Bidenomics, the Joe Biden economy, 
has made them far worse off financially than they were just four years ago when Donald Trump was the president. After all, real wages have actually only gone up by a few percentage points. And Joe Biden's inflation, known as Bidenomics, his method of screwing up our economy has raised the average cost of items in this country by 17.6%. When the day comes to an end, the week comes to an end, and you look at your paycheck, sure, you might have gotten a 5% pay raise. Maybe. Maybe 3. Maybe 7, but more likely 5 or 3. And the cost of Joe Biden's inflation has caused the prices of everything to go up considerably. Fuel prices more than doubled than at their lowest point during Donald Trump's presidency. And now, on top of the fact that your mortgage payment is higher, or your rent, your car note, the inflation rate coupled with the raised interest rates that Biden's ancient Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, and the Federal Reserve have gotten together, Jerome Powell, and caused interest rates to go through the roof, everything costs considerably more. Not a little bit more, not moderately more, but considerably more. In fact, 17.6% inflation is the figure that the Biden administration has no choice but to use, and those figures leave out the very volatile food, transportation, and housing costs. Like I told you, the price of a gallon of unleaded fuel more than double. That's not 17.6%. That's more than double. Price of furniture up in the 40 to 50% range. The price of housing up two to three times. I spoke to some young people last week who were looking at a house that I was trying to aid in selling. The house was purchased in 1989 for $41,800. Three bedrooms, one car garage, brick, central air and heat, roof only about three years old, was selling for $193,500 That was the asking price. There were nine different couples trying to buy that one house and there was a bidding war. This couple already struggling with a car note over $900 a month, which to me is utterly ridiculous, was looking at an interest rate to buy their home somewhere around eight and three quarters percent, which by today's Joe Biden inflationary standards is about average. These folks are looking with a 20% down payment at a house note of over $1,650 a month, not including mortgage insurance, not including mandatory required flood insurance, not including their homeowner's insurance. 
That's a lot of money for a young couple looking to get their life started. These people, my friends, are struggling to make ends meet thanks to Joe Biden's inflation, thanks to Bidenomics. My apologies, the GPS may speak in the background. You may hear the beeping of the radar detector. Or we are cruising here at 10.45 p.m. Heading back from downtown New Orleans to the house. <clears throat> I spoke about engineered obsolescence. How they don't make things like they used to. And we all know that to be true. But I will say this. The auto industry, not the domestic auto industry. Yeah, they, they make some decent cars. But the overall car industry in the United States of America, including the Japanese, the German, the American, the Canadian, the Korean, all of these cars are not made like they used to be. You know, we still to this day can't believe there are some 1957 Chevrolets running around, some 1965 Volkswagens running around. Those vehicles were made of steel. Those vehicles were built to last. Even though back in the 50s, back in the 1960s, there was no such thing as electronic ignition. There were points and condensers, caps and rotors and wires, valve adjustments to be made. You had to get that oil changed every 3,000 miles. Otherwise, those engines... They were just designed for power. They weren't designed for efficiency. They weren't designed for longevity. Cars back then, if you got 100,000 miles out of them, you were doing pretty damn good. But then again, back then, we didn't live 95 miles from our office and have to commute each day three hours in heavy traffic, taxing those engines to the point that we do today. I said we don't make them like they used to, and that's true. But I will say this. Many, many of the cars out there today will go two, three, hundred thousand miles if properly maintained and you don't dog the hell out of them. The old F-250 right now crawling up on its 200,000 mile. The last F-250 I had, 370,000 miles pulling a massively large travel trailer, office, studio, around the nation for years. You could not expect that out of a 1975 Chevrolet truck or a 1981 Ford pickup. They just didn't last that long. The American car industry has no choice but to make cars that last longer because the price of cars price of trucks, the price of SUVs is so very much higher now than it ever was, thanks partially to Joe Biden, Bidenomics, and of course, the love of the car manufacturers' unions, those union pukes, who I'm sure go to work every day, turn their four screws in the door panel on the left rear door, and then move on to the next one, and turn four more screws on the door panel of the left rear door, 
they don't make them like they used to because in the old days if you can look at any of the old manufacturing videos the car guy putting the fender on the car had to walk over to a shelf and grab a fender and then walk it over to the car and then hold it in place with his knees while he screwed or bolted or riveted or whatever the hell he had to do to get that fender into place. Nowadays, machines do most of the work. The workers are making more money now than they ever made in the history of history. And they dared to go on strike this past year. Now, why did they go on strike? Was it simple union greed? Or was it the Biden administration pushing those unions, prodding those unions? Please go on strike. I want to be seen as a tough labor president. I want to be seen as a pro-labor, pro-democratic party president. That's what Joe Biden wanted. Instead, the American people turned their back on Ford, on Chevrolet, General Motors, and on Chrysler, now known as Stellantis. Poor Chrysler Corporation, Dodge, Jeep, Ram. They can't find a home, can they? They were the Chrysler Corporation when it was Chrysler, Plymouth, Dodge, Jeep, Eagle. Then it became Daimler Motors, Daimler Chrysler. They merged with Mercedes and for a few years dragged the Mercedes name down into the toilet. The C-Class Mercedes looked almost identical to the Chrysler 300s, the Dodge Chargers. The shapes of the grills, the headlights, they were using the same parts, just putting a different badge on it. No different than the old Lincolns and Mercuries looking just like a Ford because they were all one unhappy family. So they went on strike primarily because of Bidenomics. Joe Biden can deny that all he wants. But when the union people were saying, geez, inflation is so bad, we can hardly afford to keep up on our $150,000 to $200,000 a year job screwing four bolts into the rear left door with an automated machine to do most of the work for us. The unions that Biden was pandering to were broke, or at least the union workers were. They were broke. They could not afford to pay their bills. Under the Biden administration, if you look at the definition of poor or underserved, a term I can't stand because no one should be served anything except elderly veterans, the poor, the underserved, the underprivileged, the lower class financially, as you say, all of those people cannot make ends meet under Joe Biden's economic program known as Bidenomics. Just can't do it. Can't make ends meet. So when you ask the big question about why is crime so high? Well, the answer is because those thugs, those animals, those lower class individuals who refused to study in school, who refused to pass their tests and were socially promoted to the next grade level, they can't make it on the welfare and the food stamps and the Section 8 and the WIC and the Aid for Dependent Children and the Section 8 housing and the rental assistance programs and the utility assistance programs and the food pantries. 
So they do what they naturally do. They go out and steal. They go out and rob. And they go out and attack people. And they take from those who did study, who did get good grades, who did succeed and were promoted based on their merits, and then went on to good-paying jobs. But when you had a president like Barack Hussein Obama, with his lackey, his lapdog, Joseph Robinette Biden as vice president, and now supposedly the president, telling those minorities, the 13% hyphenated American minorities, that America's just not fair. It's a racist, white supremacist country filled with white privileged people. And that those white people should be spreading the wealth around. They should be giving freely of what's in their pockets that they earned to people who refuse to work, refuse to participate, refuse to contribute not only to the tax rolls, but to society as a whole. So the minorities pick up on the message given to them by their first half-black president, Barack Hussein Barry Sotero Obama. They pick up on that and they say, well, if the government ain't going to give it to us, we's going to go take it from some rich white dude because they be white privileged anyway. And they got insurance going to take care if they lose stuff, they be losing stuff, insurance going to take care of them. So let's go rob them. Let's go carjack them. Let's go home invasion them. Let's attack them, shoot them, stab them, rape them, steal from them, attack them in their own homes, in their own cars, on the street. And then, with the help of people like George Soros, funding massive election campaigns to get district attorney positions filled by like-minded minorities, no bail, low bail, no charges filed for what they call economic crimes. Oh, he pope. Don't arrest him. He pope. Let him go. He didn't mean to rape that girl on purpose. He raped her on an accident. Oh, he didn't mean to go in that house with that gun and shoot them people in the head like that and take their money and take their jewelry. It was a crime of economy. His economy was bad. Their economy was good. So he just trying to spread the wealth around. Like Barack Hussein Obama, the first half-black president, said. He was just trying to spread the wealth around. That's all. Y'all don't understand what it's like. Y'all don't know what it's like to be in a black man's shoes. First of all, they're probably too tight. That's probably why, well, I won't go there. We won't talk about posture. We won't talk about walking. Let's keep to the subject at hand. Engineered obsolescence. I was in a car dealership once, quite a few years back. The Ford Taurus and the Mercury Sable were pretty much the same car. So if you know what a Ford Taurus is, the Mercury Sable was basically the same car. I was at a car dealership, a Lincoln Mercury dealer, and a prim, very well-dressed, well-spoken, well-appointed Caucasian woman, about 60 years old, drove into the dealership service department with her Mercury Sable. It was gold in color. This car was immaculate, spotless. There was a retractable umbrella on the back seat. What the heck? Sorry, 
I just had an 18-wheeler do a really strange maneuver and almost flip his trailer over. Anyway, well-appointed woman, very well-spoken, very nice white woman in her pristine Mercury Sable with about 30,000 miles on it. She came in to get her oil changed. The service advisor told her, you have your 30,000 mile scheduled maintenance package due from the manufacturer, and that's going to include an oil change, a transmission fluid flush, rotate the tires and balance them, change the transmission fluid, a few different things. Change the, um, the oh gosh, what was it called? Power steering fluid. A few other things. It was going to be about $449 at the time. Another woman pulled up in the identical same year Mercury Sable. Same color, in fact. Gold. Blafrican-American, 13% hyphenated woman. Hair and curlers. Pair of way-too-tight short pants. Flip-flops. A way-too-tight shirt that looked like it hadn't been washed in six months. Cigarette hanging out of her mouth. Inside the car, all types of fast food bags and garbage and just stuff piled up everywhere. Stickers like you'd buy from a, a dollar store. Stickers stuck all over the windows and the dashboard. And generally an unkept, unkempt piece of junk. 34,000 something miles on the car. Driver's side mirror missing. Passenger side mirror hanging loose inside mirror pointing down at the center console rip in the back seat big scratch down the hood oh and on the right rear door it was green the rest of the car was gold but the right rear door was green dents and scratches on every conceivable panel of this vehicle tires bald the same service advisor greeted the woman in the same manner hi welcome to blank 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 Lincoln Mercury I see you are overdue for your 30,000 mile maintenance service. What can I do for you, ma'am? She said, my headlight out. My headlight out. Not my headlight is out, but my headlight out. So much for the public school educational system. Okay, ma'am, would you like us to also give you a price on the 30,000 mile scheduled maintenance? Is it free? No, ma'am. Then I ain't worried about it. Well, looking at the sticker on the inside of your windshield, it looks like your oil change is overdue by about 3,000 miles. It's important to change your oil to keep your engine running. No, that's all right. I got the stension warranty. Excuse me? I've got the stension warranty. Oh, the extended service plan? Yeah. Excuse me. Well, ma'am, if you don't get the maintenance done, the extended warranty, the extended service plan would be void. What you mean? Well, when you signed up for the extended service plan, they tell you that you have to maintain the vehicle according to the manufacturer's specifications. Otherwise, they're not going to pay for anything if it goes bad. I don't think that's right. You sound like a racist. Then the nine-year-old girl way too large for a nine-year-old girl 
overweight, obese, fat, whatever you want to call her, through probably no fault of her own, but through the bad nutritional habits of the mother, say, Mama, Mama, that lady called just like your car. They look the same, except her car clean and shiny, and her mirror don't be broke, and all her doors be the same color. Why your car look this bad? And this woman looked at her daughter with the most sincere face ever and said, that's because they say these raggedy cars for the black people. They say they're good cars for the white people. You're going to learn about that, girl. You're going to learn about that as you grow older. They say them raggedy cars for the black folks. I was shocked. Shocked, my friends. That this woman would beat such a lie, such a racist accusation into a child at the age of about eight years old. As if to think, when you go to a car dealership, if you're black, they take you to some back lot somewhere where everything's a piece of crap, where all the cars have missing mirrors and doors are different colors than the rest of the car. And then they take all the white people in a nice shiny golf cart up to the white people section. That's the kind of racism we have in America. Anyway, we've run out of time for this edition of the Truth Hurts program. Happy Saturday night. Please don't drink and drive. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Copyright 2023, the Truth Hurts Program Network, all rights reserved. Background music courtesy of Jason Shaw and Audionautics. This program was pre-recorded.